This is Sarah Liu, and you're listening to the Superlit Podcast. Cue the intro music. <laughs> Amazing! like your intro music it's oh thank really you <laughs> did yeah. you hear you write it no so um i asked my friend dave uh man with roses the guy who did our intro song um i've known him for a while and he started making kind of like just like chill vibey music and i was like i'm starting a podcast and i need a theme song that is kind of like in the realm of what you do and he was like oh yeah i absolutely got you so he gave me two variations <laughs> Uh, one for our Patreon and one for regular stuff. And I actually prefer the one for our regular stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. it's uh, it, I remember when I first got it, I had it on my phone and I would just listen to it because it's very just like calming. Yes, it's calm, but very like cheerful. Like it's mm-hmm. a good mood kind of piece. But yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Thank you. I'll have to tell him you said <laughs> that. All right. Hey, everyone. My name is Brendan Patrick. We have Sarah Liu here, and you are listening to the Superlit Podcast. We are a bi-weekly podcast pertaining to books about the LGBTQIA community, and we have a very special episode. The book we're talking about isn't out just yet. It's coming out March 3rd? 14th. 14th. Thank you. Oh, it's right here. Um, That's so exciting. I know. It's like a month away. Oh! yeah you know it's funny yeah it actually it's it's a little over a month away that's so exciting it is it's exciting but also very nerve-wracking to have it be out in the world (laughs) yeah um it's i i feel like whenever i've written things and i share them with people i'm like okay that's it that's as far as that goes i'm not sharing that with anyone else i cannot imagine the strength of just like putting something out there and having you know so many people read it and like how how that feels right um, what kind of stuff do you write? I've been trying to write um, some YA stuff recently, and I have it saved to my phone. I did have something almost completed, and then my phone got stolen. So that oh my gosh, are I, you serious? Yeah. <laughs> I thought I had it backed oh up God. to my cloud, but I didn't. Um, I just have decided that that was meant that it wasn't supposed to be shown to anyone. So I've just, I've tried to forget it. <laughs> oh, no, that's so brutal. I That's literally like... A writer's worst nightmare situation. Mm-hmm. I'm so sorry that happened to you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was more aggravated that teenage boys took my phone from me on the subway, but um I hope they stub their toes every day and that their pillows are always hot. <laughs> and always walking on Legos barefoot. Yeah. Absolutely. The 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 worst dumb things that can happen, I hope they do. But yeah, t- um, tell us about the book that we're talking about today, Sarah. So this book is called I Will Find You Again. And it's about two girls, Chase and Leah, who have this really deep history of being like best friends from childhood. And then over one summer, they fall in love. And their connection is already so deep and so emotional. And it's really great writing something like that. But unfortunately, not everything is great. And so things kind of fall apart for them. And they have this really traumatic and terrible breakup. And it's sort of about, you know, Chase finding her way back to Leah and about dealing with that kind of trauma. And so the book starts when Leah disappears and... So Chase is not only really searching just for her, but she's trying to figure out what has happened. And as she's sort of piecing everything together, she's realizing that like not everything in their relationship was as she remembered it or as she thought it was. And also that not every, you know, not everyone is who they seem to be. And at the end, she has to figure out 
what happened or understand what happened to Leah in order to kind of save herself. Mm -hmm. um so that's my sort of rambling <laughs> summary I think the book jacket is probably a lot better it was not written by me <laughs> I can imagine that like if you're given like it's the I guess the elevator pitch that's difficult to do because it's like how do I put all the different nuances into like a you know a little like a book sleeve or like anything yeah. like that um I think you did a very good job with that Thank you, Brendan. I appreciate yes, that. <laughs> I will say the the twist in this book, uh, if I were to suggest this to anyone, the twist in the book is the thing. I like put the book down for a second and I was like, damn. And then I started. Did I get you? Two. Yes, you did. Um, <laughs> I had my phone like literal suspects. <laughs> I had it in my, oh my God. <laughs> I'm going to do the thing that Sophie does, which is like take notes on like everyone like, oh, this is what they did. That was suspicious. Um, <laughs> and then I like, I looked at my phone afterwards and I was like, damn it. <laughs> you know what though? I, okay. So despite the fact that I write thrillers, I actually can never solve them beforehand. Mm. And I went through a period of trying to play the game. And then I was like, no, nah, I'm just going to. I'm just going to go along for the ride. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I think that's totally legit. <laughs> I I have a hard time figuring them out. Um, and I think it's because I want, maybe subconsciously, I want the story to unfold for me. And I, I really, so I was, <laughs> Pretty Little Liars had me by the throat while I was on air. Um, and I, I think like, someone who likes like the kind of mystery of like what what happened I thought that was going to happen with this I was like oh like maybe she's going to come back like maybe with like she didn't actually like nothing actually bad happened um and then I I you know the the book starts to go and I'm like okay this is very different and it's very thrilling uh did you have a like hard time trying to figure out like how to do like what actually unfolded in the book like was there any kind of difficulty with that yes that was the hardest the hardest thing um it's wild that I write these books because I hate plot and structure those are like my biggest weaknesses like I would say my strength not necessarily as like you know like oh my god I do this so well but like as something that comes very naturally to me is like dialogue I love it mm -hmm. like that's the first thing is like speak you know like the characters start speaking to me I can hear them arguing amongst themselves in my you know what I mean like it's mm -hmm. that's so that's so natural and easy for me and then plot and structure are just like months of banging my head against the wall trying mm. to think through this problem trying to assign it to my subconscious so that like when I'm showering or sleeping that you know something will fix it for mm. me it yeah. never happens um <laughs> if only it did so mad at my subconscious why are you so lazy <laughs> um no but yeah generally it's yeah it's my biggest weakness but I I really um when I came up with it I was like this is the right twist this is, this is, and then I, you know, like in a lot of thrillers, a lot of stuff kind of gets, the twist kind of gets revealed in like the late second act or early third act kind of area. Mm -hmm. I was like, no, this is going to happen the right dead middle of the book. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, it's funny. I wasn't expecting it to be like part two. I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's only two parts. And so the, the twist comes right at the end of part one and it splits the whole book. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I was kind of scared too, because I was I was reading that part last night. So I I wanted it to be fresh while I was talking to you. Yeah. So I finished the book today. But when I got to the part last night, I was like, I have to close the book. I can't do this. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> no, how did I not see this? But cute, I can never figure things out. So it was a very delightful surprise. And I love that it's broken up into two parts. I think especially like what happens in part two. I think breaking it up like that is a really great uh, decision. Yeah, I'm always like, I wanna, I wanna have more time after the reveal, you know. Mm -hmm. I'm always like, but I want to know more about like what everyone's. You threw a bomb, and then it's at the yeah. end, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think also giving the reader like more time to sit with it makes it feel more flushed out too. Yeah. I know, especially with this too. Um, thankfully, I am not in high school, so I'm not applying to colleges right now. Um, Did it stress I, you out? <laughs> I thought you know. It's, I think the thing that stressed me out is that like college applications cost money. I, oh, I just yeah, feel like that's not so fair. Much money. Yeah, we spent 
I spent so much money on them. It was an outrage. It's like kind it's of It's not scam. something they ever tell you when you're applying to colleges. They're not like, yeah, you should save up per application, like $50 per. And it's like, what do I get that money back there's, if I don't get there, in? There are some that are like over a hundred, I think. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Which, it's like, it's, it's a racket. Which is, <laughs> again, it's like, if I don't get into this college, like what is, what does this money do? Like, is that how some yeah. of this money like helps these like Ivy League schools exist? Yeah. I I remember so I went to um like grade school in Princeton so like I was always around the university, um and uh I I'm rewatching Gossip Girl right now the original one, and Blair Waldorf calls Princeton a glorified trade school and I was like oh my god my wig is gone wow. um but I just I cannot. The thing that I'm so far, like, glad that I'm so far removed from is college applications. I cannot imagine how stressed Chase was applying to anything, let alone Stanford. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. First off, I want to say these are definitely first world problems. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, like, I, I think, like, what makes, what makes, like, fictional worlds kind of fun or just characters kind of fun is that, like, the stakes are not necessarily high in terms of like saving the world or saving your country, but they're really mm. high for the character. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for her, it actually feels like life or death. If she doesn't yeah. get Stanford or something amazing like that, like it just feels like she's failed her whole life and she's got this one shot to do it. And, and I, and I think that that it can feel kind of intense when you need to look because you're just like, if you zoom out a little, you're like, wait, perspective kid yeah. it's not the end of the world but like in it you're like oh my god I feel really no exactly <laughs> and if you think about it like if this is like the most stressful thing they've dealt with and you know being pers- like you know you might be valedictorian you're the top of your class like I can imagine I wasn't anywhere near those things so like I can't imagine that kind of stress but I also feel like if that's like the most stressful thing you've dealt with also like you're a teenager like that is like pretty incredibly stressful Especially if there's the added stress of like, I have to go to this one school because it's my destiny. It's like, oh, okay. You got it. You got to chill out. Exactly. And it's, it's the first major thing I feel like for most kids that's, you don't get a redo on. Like you have one year where you apply and if you don't get in, that's kind of it. Um, Even though, you know, there are transfers and all of that later, it just feels very like this is one huge moment and you know you're 17 or 18 and so a lot of moments feel really huge and so this moment feels like a really you know like you've either set yourself up for success or you're gonna have a Mm. bad life for some reason yeah exactly it's like you know especially for chase like i have to do this thing so i can kind of meet the expectation that my father has set in front of me but also to kind of like beat my father's expectations of me yeah. You're like I did this and I didn't need you um yes I that was actually one of my favorite moments to write it comes kind of later in the book but she kind yeah. of is like he thinks that he's always cracking the whip but I think I'm better than him actually yeah. <laughs> you know? and it feels like in that moment like a it, it almost feels cyclical because of we we learn like uh more about her father and the way that he behaves and the way the reason that like work is so important to him which has obviously rubbed off on chase but in a it almost feels worse way um the, yeah, the cycle like there this, is very interesting yeah it's like intergenerational trauma but it's like evolved because it's you know one so like in the book her grandfather has chosen to totally eschew any life of you know, attainment and achievements and racking up, you know, things and stuff like that, which is not necessarily great when you have dependents. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if it's just right? you, and that's so, different. Right. If it's like there are children relying right. on you that need things from you. Yeah. It's a little bit different. Right. right. And so for her father growing up like that was really, really difficult. And he was hu- literally hungry sometimes. And it, it it just really instilled this like desire to never, ever be there or be at risk of getting there. And so mm-hmm. 
but you know, like Chase didn't grow up with that same trauma. So she's not going to, she's not going to have like the same exact response that he does. The response that she has is just, oh my God, he's wielding all of his wealth, like this, you know, powerful weapon against this whole family. Mm -hmm. He's using it to like emotionally abuse me, my sister and my mom essentially. And then, and my grandfather, you know, um, once he's in that, position where the grandfather is kind of dependent on him Mm -hmm. and so she sees that and she's like I have to have that because I need to have power and protect myself and the people I care about and Mm -hmm. the only way to maintain any sense of control and not let someone else jerk my life around like my father did is to have the same thing so it's like Mm -hmm. this it's like you know like how it's it's passed down but it twisted in different ways because you can't give your children the same experience that you No, exactly. Had. And it feels almost like I'm going to, it feels the opposite of like, I'm going to be just like him. But at the same time, it's like, oh, I'm going to be so different. It's like, no, you're, you're subjecting yourself to the same exact thing and saying like, oh, if I have exactly what he has, I can do it better and be different about it. And it's like, you might not be, you're, you might turn out to be exactly the same way. Yeah. And it starts showing in your personal relationships too. Yes. I think that it's um, some of the things that her father is doing to her is reflected in how she's treating Leah, her girlfriend, you know, mm. she's, she's getting the message that she is not enough all the time. And she's kind of subtly passing that on to Leah. You know, she's not mm-hmm. saying it. She's not saying you're not enough or you need to do better. Or you need to do more. But, you know, she's constantly kind of like, look at me and how hard I work. Yeah. And look at you and how little you work, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, there's, like, little little moments like that. And there's also, like, well, yeah, you can slap, but I, I can't. You know, like, there's, yeah. you know, in those moments, you don't, like, I feel like Chase doesn't see it, but Leah does. Yeah. <laughs> like she, she gets it. Um, she She knows what the message is. Yeah, Chase looks at it as like, oh, you're so incredibly privileged. And it's like, well, it's not like you aren't. Like, you also yes, live there's in... there's a moment. Yeah, you yeah, live yeah, in the yeah. same town that I do. You live yeah, across yeah. the street from me. Like, it's not like we're all that different. One of my friends who read it was like, "It this is just about how, like, rich people think that they aren't rich. And I was yeah. like, yes, <laughs> yes, that, that that is definitely, like, part of it. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. She's very rich and very privileged, but she thinks she like, you know, because she's always comparing herself against all of these even richer and more yes. privileged people. And so she's like, poor oh, me. Oh, I'm different. Yeah, it's like, I'm <laughs> yeah. poor compared to everyone else. It's like, no! Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think also, too, something that I really liked in the book, I was introduced to uh, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Um, by my college roommate so I went to uh, college in I I want to say this was happening in 2010 my roommate would like leave Philly and go to Montauk and it was like this whole thing that like he had just like seen that movie or like that was his like his hyper focus for that year but I remember getting texts like him and Montauk by and I'm like what are you doing and that I, is not an easy trip to do. It's not. And he like figured it out. And, you know, he he he's a very soft boy. I love him. Um, but it was just like very funny. It's like, oh, he's not in class right now because he's in Montauk being depressed. It's um, <laughs> like I get. But like it, I learned a lot about Montauk and seeing that, like, especially for someone like trying to like, you know, they're about to be in college like, that it kind of you know, made me remember a lot of things with my roommate, too, and how um, that movie did a lot for a lot of people, I feel like. It's interesting to see, like, younger people think about it. I also got obsessed with going to Montauk, but I didn't make it happen until 2021. And I think Mm -hmm. most of this book was already written by then, and I was just doing, like, little edits. And I was like 
my brother is going to NYU now and mm. I went up to like help him, you know, quote unquote, help him yeah. move in. I mean, I did do some of that, but I yeah. was also like, this is it. This is yeah. my opportunity. I get to go. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, and then I was like, cause I knew there would be one free day in there um, where my family had all different plans. Like he had some orientation thing to go to. My mom wanted to go visit a friend in New Jersey. And I was mm. like, Oh my God, I'm going to have this one day. I'm going to finally do it. And this is from a person. I lived in New York for three years. Yeah. I lived in New York City for three years. And I kept every, you know, I was like, I need to make this trek out. Because like your roommate, I got obsessed yeah. with the movie. And I was like, yeah. I need to make this trek out there. But because I lived there, I kept thinking there would be more time. Oh, absolutely. And then I, mm -hmm. and then I moved. And then I was like, oh, dang it. I didn't get to go out there. And mm -hmm. so I finally got out there. It was like, the early September, but it was freezing because oh, absolutely, mm -hmm. <laughs> and like the sky was gray. It was really great. I also missed my train coming back because I had decided to book a whale watching tour only to get on a boat because I was like, I've never been on a boat in Montauk's waters. Like I should yeah. try to. I mean, the whales were very nice, also, but in my mind, I was but like, also, no, yeah. I need this is for research, <laughs> and then um. So then I met this very nice family on the boat and I was telling them, well, I guess I'll catch the 1 a.m. train. They're like, no, you will not. <laughs> you will not be you know, sitting at the train station for five hours until like 1 a.m. for the next train. So they drove me into Northport. Anyway, they were very kind. It was like this whole adventure. Oh I God, loved it so, so much. Nice. Yeah. I know. I'm like, I've got to pay this forward someday. <laughs> it oh was a great experience. That's yeah. It it's funny. Um, so you've only been to Montauk once then? I've only been once. And when I was writing this book, Google Maps and Google Earth for my like friends. I was going to say, it feels like you've been there multiple times. Just like the way that like the marina was written. Like it felt like you've been there like multiple times. So that was added after I went to the describe like the marina more. Because I went there mm -hmm. and I took like a lot of videos. And then I was mm -hmm. like... I had lunch at the Marina's restaurant. You know, I was just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, actual good research. It was good. Yeah, <laughs> it was for research. It was great. Yeah. I feel like that happens with me sometimes. People are like, oh, have you been to this thing in Philly? And I'm like, uh, I mean, yeah, I can go at any time. Like, I've maybe only seen the Liberty Bell because I had to for school. But like, if it wasn't certain things, I wouldn't go. Be like, oh, I can do that later. But um, I feel like that's something that we, it happens to all of us. It's like, oh, I'm living here. I can go see this thing at any time. What years were you in Philly? Because I also went to college in Philly. <laughs> Funny. Um, I went to school. So I live here now with uh, Sophie. She's been here, I think, longer than I have at this point. Because in 2016, I moved back home. And then in 2021, I moved back. So I was in school here from 2009 to 2013, and then I moved in 2016, yeah. I don't know why, but for some reason, I thought you were on West Coast time. But yeah, that's great. Yeah. So you're still in the area. You can still look yeah, I just, every time I'm like, oh, I can do that later. So my, my boyfriend lives abroad, and when he comes here, it's kind of like my excuse to do touristy things. Um, that's great. Yeah, he uh he was like, oh, can we go to the zoo this time? I was like, yeah, sure. Oh I god, I didn't even know Philly had a zoo. That's so terrible of me. Yeah, they have. Um, <laughs> if you if I think if you've watched Abbott Elementary, they um go there in one of the episodes. Okay. I think um they have. When I was a kid, I went there too. They have um this hot air balloon that you can like see the like city from. You get in, it just goes up, and you can see everything around it. It's really nice. I was terribly afraid of heights when I was a kid, so I did not do it. I'm, I'm well next time am. i'm there well next time i'm there that'd be something really fun yeah philly is a it's you know it's really rowdy but it's you know it's it's also a great place to be at the same time yeah um it's really like i feel like i should describe it as like a very scruffy old man um who like yes sit with him for more than a minute really... you know like he's actually incredibly sweet um yeah. but he will tell you if you've done something wrong <laughs> yes well i also like liked it more than I liked New York because it was an actual like it felt like a livable place you know yeah 
Philly definitely um, feels like a place that you can actually like live in because it feels a it's easy. I feel like it's easier to get around in and it's not as serious as New York. Like, I feel like it I doesn't can't. take itself. It doesn't take itself as serious. Exactly. As yeah. Does. And like because it's smaller, but has like the same kind of concentration, you could walk from Rittenhouse to like Old Town. You know what I mean? Mm hmm. Like, it's not a fast walk, but it's, like, pleasant. Yeah, you know, exactly. You could totally do it. Like, yeah. I've walked from South Philly to North Philly and then back again. It was, like, maybe six miles. So, like, that, if you yeah. were to do something like that in New York, like, the different boroughs, it, like, that's yeah. not a fun, it doesn't sound fun to me. No, 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 no. No, no, no. That wasn't, that would not be something that I would do. You could, you could but yeah. it's not as, yeah, it's not as nice. The only place that I care about in New York that I've been to was uh, the Brooklyn Botanical Gardens like that. Anywhere that where there's a huge concentration of like green things. I'm like, yes, I would like to be there. I haven't been, but I my best friend lived in the D.C. area for a while. And she says mm -hmm. their botanical garden is amazing. So Ooh. if you ever, you know, make it down there because it's not super far away. Oh, no. Yeah. I have a, a friend who's an au pair um, in D.C., um and i've been meaning to go visit him i just it, his weekends when he's off he's with his his boyfriend who lives here in philly so it's just like i keep missing the chance <laughs> to go but yeah i haven't i actually haven't been to dc since i was in high school because my dad lived there for work for a little bit and i forgot about that i'll get back to the story um oh yeah i mean i could i could literally this is one of my favorite things to do is just chat with a stranger and just right? be like tell me all about your life this is really fun <laughs> No, that's like the fun thing about this podcast. Like Sophie and I love to um ask serious questions and then be like, what's your favorite Carly Rae Jepsen song? Just to like spice things up and also throw <laughs> authors off. I think it's also like more um relaxing for authors to be like asked like silly questions and serious questions. Yeah. Um because like the you know, talking about your, your books isn't always like I can imagine like a super easy thing to do. Yeah, it can be it can be weird because like you're like, um, so now the spotlight's on me. Yeah. And I'm gonna talk <laughs> about me some more and this thing that I wrote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I uh, a little bit like that. I think the the one author I've spoken to who was like, Oh, I could talk about this like I will talk about me and like my book. Like it Ryan Lasala is a very specific person who I adore. Um, but his I think I'm a very like you know, like bubbly, upbeat person. Ryan uh is like a different galaxy of person. And I mean that in the, the nicest way possible. He is, I I think, a very different kind of person in general than any other author I've spoken to. That's so funny because I read The Honeys pretty recently. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've been thinking about at least his writing and all of that stuff. Um, which so I happened to listen to your episode of the honeys mm -hmm. and i think there's a moment where you're like um i don't think i would want to listen to this on audiobook yeah no and i i laughed because i happened to listen to it on audiobook and i was like do you know anything about the audiobook by the way no i don't i just remember okay. the one scene okay. that like sophie and i would not want to hear about okay so <laughs> so the production is top notch i have to mm. say like whoever produced it was great but like um you know how like modern headphones, like even these earbuds, like now have like spatial. Oh yeah. Yeah, like and and it's not just like it's not just like one side is a little louder than the other. Like it literally feels like it's like something is like if something is moving, you know, like they can make it feel like a, a train is literally arriving at the station or something. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that that sound effect. Oh no. Okay, so like imagine. <laughs> You know where I'm going with this. Like, imagine <laughs> you're listening and you're just like watching dishes or whatever, right? Because like, yeah, you're in, you get to enjoy a book while you do chores, and then it feels it feels like there are bees just starting to come around you, buzzing no. in faint ways, or or like this character's deceased sister is haunting me <laughs> from afar. No, <laughs> screaming. Um, because yeah. like there's there's like that you know what I mean. There's that scene where she's like screaming, yeah, and uh, or like not she's screaming, but he hears her, yeah, screaming. <laughs> and you're just like, 
Yeah, no, I think <laughs> what's um, happening. I think uh, I'm so good. <laughs> I I think I'm I'm good with not listening to that. Um, it sounds amazing. Um, I think the thing, especially like this too, your book, is there going to be an audiobook for it? Yes. I feel like that would also be like kind of spooky to listen to um, because there were certain scenes in this, especially with um, like Hunter's character. I feel like that would be kind of like spooky and like thrilling. So I feel like um, that would be something. She says I'd be some mean in. things. Yeah. yeah. She says some mean things in a very like taunting way. So I mm -hmm. can, yeah. But I haven't listened to the audio versions of my books before. It feels. Mm -hmm like kind of like when I when it's out in the world I'm like oh my god I don't if I listen to it or read it again I'm just gonna see all the things that I want to change oh no yeah <laughs> I know isn't that terrible um <laughs> I should probably work on that no my my teachers in college uh I went to school for photography they'd be like you know if you love a photograph if you ever want to feel bad about yourself Tack it to your wall and see how much you love it by the end of the week. And I was like, oh, no. oh that's awful. And sometimes so like I have a lot of my work <laughs> up in the apartment. I try to not just like stare at it because then I'm like, oh, I could have done that. Or like this big thing I've had for years. I just I know it's there. I try to not acknowledge it sometimes because I'm like, oh, oh no. I could have fixed that and maybe this. And it's like on a foam core. So it's like I printed it and then mounted it. Yeah. I was like, this is perfect. But so, sometimes it's, you, I, I can imagine if I uh, listened to, like, if I had a book and I listened to the audiobook, I'd be like, oh, no, I should have done this there. So I totally understand that. Well, you know, we should probably learn to not, I mean, it's kind of a theme of the book, but we should yeah. probably <laughs> learn not to indulge all of our perfectionist tendencies. I, you know, as a Virgo, and I feel like Chase would relate to this, um, it's hard to not want to be in control um, and to be perfect all the time. <laughs> yeah, I think she's like kind of addicted to it, right? Like, I think yeah. she's got um, this thing where she's chasing after a thing. And then after she's got it, she's like, all right, what's the next thing? I need another hit. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, I've, I've, I'm about to achieve this thing. I need to also be aware of like the next thing. And I think also that's like really taught to like students that are in like they're you know, they're, they're right at like the top of their game. Like, I feel like that's something that's taught to them, especially, you know, Chase via her father, via her father, not wanting to be like his dad, you know, it's, it's like a cyclical thing. Like we spoke about before, but uh, speaking of that was there, how did you come up with um, the character Hunter? Van, is it Van Leeuwen? I forget their yeah. full name. Yeah, it's Van Leeuwen. Um, so like, I kind of thought about, you know, like, so Hunter is, so Chase and Leah have broken up for mm -hmm. almost six months at the beginning of the book. And when, um, and around this time, like right before Leah disappeared, she had a new girlfriend named Hunter Van Leeuwen. Mm -hmm. And I kind of came up with her because she's kind of like everything Chase would be jealous of. Mm -hmm. You know, like um, she is also born to this very wealthy, very great family. You know, like she's the kind, like the kind of family that would have private islands and private mm -hmm. jets. And, um, and just like, has been previously expelled from a fancy prep school mm -hmm. and just has like, you know, like the world is their oyster kind of thing going on. And whereas, you know, Chase has this whole narrative about herself and how hard she works for everything she gets. And mm -hmm. so I sort of went in that direction and um, yeah, so that's, <laughs> it was pretty, uh, you know, straightforward of like, I'll just do the thing that she would hate. So yeah. much because you know torturing your characters are kind of part of the job it's how you show you love them yes <laughs> she laughs in abuse no yeah. <laughs> parentheses being abused um no i feel like um especially further in the book like the explanation for like hunter's character and also like that exact phrasing of like hunter is everything like the antithesis of chase if you will um, yeah, it was very interesting, and I I feel like I haven't thought of like um not a villain, but like how another character like the the 
dichotomy of like this is how chase is this is how like insert like another character here um i've never specifically thought of like oh this person is so specifically the app like the polar opposite of you know the main character and i feel like it's like not been explained in such a way that's like I mean, I, I wrote this character because of this. And it's like also stated as that in the book. And it's like, oh, that makes sense that this would absolutely drive someone nuts. Yeah, exactly. Um, What's worse than, you know, seeing your ex-girlfriend that you're still in love with mm-hmm. find someone else, um, finding someone else who's like everything you wish you could be or could yeah. I feel like if I was dating someone, I broke up with them. They dated someone like immediately after me. That was just like everything that I've wanted to be. I would also um, not be doing well myself either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's like an extra, extra terrible. And then, of course, she has to work with her to figure out like what the last months and weeks of Leah's life were like because she was Mm. kind of shut out. And so she's like resentfully like, I can't like strangle her or whatever because (laughs) you know like i need information from her (laughs) as much as i would like to throttle her perfect face i need the information (laughs) yeah exactly um i feel like also um chase is like a pretty good detective which i really like um oh good yeah i feel like it was it was nice to have i don't want to say it's like an unreliable narrator because i feel like that's not not necessarily right but also at the same time it feels like chase is sort of like that um, yes i think that that's fair you know it's a psychological thriller like mm-hmm. it's it's okay to to call her unreliable i think that the the key to maybe like unreliable characters is sort of like that they're lying to themselves first or mm-hmm. maybe not lying but like they're not they're keeping something from themselves first yeah um more than than anyone else like they're like denial starts here and i'm I believe it. You know, they lie to themselves or they mm-hmm. tell themselves versions of the story that aren't maybe 100% there. And she's, and you know, that you can feel like how upset she is about it. Cause she's clearly like, wait, something's not adding up right. Is it me? Like mm-hmm. what, what's, what's going on? And, yeah. Like what's, it's me. I'm the problem. It's me. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Hello. It's me. <laughs> yeah. Um. So she's definitely got, you know some of that going on too but mm-hmm. yeah i'm glad you got you as a good detective i wasn't sure if that was going to come across no and i feel like um i feel like some of my favorite narrators are the ones that like are i, I hate saying unreliable narrator because it sounds like it's like a, a mean thing to say about someone but it, it feels like in this kind of story like a thriller her finding things out as we go along and her questioning them is i think what makes uh chase very interesting is because She's not like, oh, okay, yeah, that happened. That's it. It's like, no, I don't think so. That's not what Leah would have wanted. That's not like how this is going down. I think that's like really interesting. And because she's surrounded with people who are telling her different like pieces of the story. And it's like, well, that's not what that person just said. I feel like her like wanting to piece things together herself and also like kind of trying to figure out like, oh, was was the last like year of my life like did I, am i looking at it with rose colored glasses yeah it, it it was interesting to see chase like go through uh the different waves of like okay like who can i trust i guess i have to trust you right now in this moment yes and i think the person you're talking about is hunter and she does it very resentfully it's true yeah <laughs> she does it with her and she does it with cole um yeah and i i I swear to God, the like my notes, right? I guess when it hit part two hits, I was just like, damn. <laughs> Editing Brendan here. I have to cut a piece of our conversation out because it's a little bit too spoilery. So you're going to have to read the book to understand a little bit more of what we're talking about right in this moment. Uh, like there's there's other people who who are kind of nice to her and i think like Mm. what's interesting is that like she thinks everyone is kind of out to get her but actually everyone has been nothing but nice to her right (laughs) with the exception of hunter but like Mm -hmm. tad has been really nice to her like everyone like she she thinks like oh he's just trying to get like the the cross-country captain spot but no he's just like 
are you okay? Like, <laughs> yeah, you dude, you, you visually don't look like you're <laughs> like, doing yeah. well. Yeah, like he's in like one, you know, very small scene, but you know, like everyone who's around her is just kind of like, you don't look good. <laughs> like, yeah, things are like... not, things are falling apart for you. You need help. <laughs> and then she's like, you... no, I'm fine. I'm just gonna grit my teeth through it and it'll be fine. <laughs> and it's just like the people also asking her like, hey, you doing all right? It's like, you know the answer to that. I know, but there's this thing in like our culture, or maybe it's everywhere, where like you, you almost don't want to know because you don't know how to help someone, right? Like you're like, they this person is clearly acting in a way that is screaming like I need help, mm-hmm. but I'm not super close to them, and yeah. like I don't, I wouldn't even know how to help them. Like I, I wouldn't even know like what to do in that situation. So then when you're asking, it's almost like. Oh, I want to help, but I don't know how to. And so maybe it's best if you just tell me everything is fine. You know, it's yeah. like really, it's it's bad, but it's like, there's a politeness factor. Too. Well, that's very much like when I remember someone once told me, I think it was like one of my teachers in like grade school. When someone asks how you're doing, when you see them on the street, they don't actually yeah. want to know. No, <laughs> like they're it's just more asking like a, to be polite. Yeah. Or, or they're not even really just asking. It's just like a conversational way of saying hello, you know, yeah. like it's, it's just like, a greeting it's not <laughs> and i think especially for the the you know two main girls in this like leah and chase like i feel like it's, it's very that it's like people are being polite and being like hey how are you and it's like oh i don't think they're doing well but i don't know what to do they're just being yes. teenagers yes and i um i kind of liked that their relationship status was also kind of mm-hmm. like what's going on with them? Are they best friends? Because they start out as best friends. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Leah's, you know, like, it's right from the back, you know, from the beginning, you know that Leah has had other girlfriends, like, mm-hmm. very publicly. And then you're, and so you're like, you know, everyone knows and is cool with the fact that she's gay, but mm-hmm. Chase is kind of, like, unknown, you know? She's yeah, kind of exploring herself, and then I think she's probably bisexual. Um, But, yeah, so, like, she and Leah get together and well they used to do sleepovers in the same bed all the time <laughs> they uh <laughs> used to hold hands and walk you know like arm in arm and mm-hmm. now they're doing it too and they used to spend all their time together and going on these like fun sleepaway trips on leah's family yacht in montauk together and so when they get together it's kind of like oh this um, makes sense <laughs> yeah makes sense but then the parents are probably like um what what do we do <laughs> Yeah. When did this happen? <laughs> yes, exactly. Because like, there's even a moment where Chase is like, in the book where she's like, in the beginning, we wanted to keep it, you know, like a secret as long as possible, because mm-hmm. um, we didn't want rules. <laughs> yeah, but I understand that. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I remember, like, after figuring out like, that I was queer, like the first like sleepover I had, I was like, I wonder if my parents are like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is this a friend or is this a friend this Um, is a one-on-one sleepover okay uh, and you're hmm (laughs) strange yeah i i i wouldn't know what to do in that situation if i had a a, you know in that like a parent like what to do for those kids i'd be like i don't mm, they're friends until they tell us otherwise I, and I think that was the approach that they went with. And I think even after they were out, like, I think that's just, they were just like, what are we going to do? Like, <laughs> yeah. all these rules. No, exactly. And the families have known each other for so long that it's like, well, yeah. do we act differently now? Yeah. Yes. And actually, speaking of, there's like, the par- one part I really liked was how Joe was like, my Leah is gone, but hey, you're here and you should do all the things that my daughter used to do yes. with me. <laughs> when that when that started happening, I was like, oh no, this poor girl doesn't know how to be like, hey, um, this is weird for me. Um, oh, to be in your cooking show. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> you want me to come over to the house all the time and have family dinners? You want me to show up on your cooking show and do mother-daughter things? Um, and now you're asking me what my plans are after college. <laughs> yeah, will you come back home? <laughs> like, do you yeah. mean here or to wherever my parents are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I Which, I mean... Which I didn't kind of understand because it must be a really horrible 
mm-hmm. experience for Leah's parents for sure. Yeah. Too. Um, but definitely an unhealthy way to cope with grief is probably to try and adopt another person. Yeah. I can imagine so, especially like immediately afterwards. Yeah. Um she's but... not she yeah, they're not doing so well. No. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that like wouldn't be spoilery that we can talk about. Um, I know it's the tricky thing about talking about books with a twist because you're always like dancing around it mm-hmm. and then teasing it a little bit. And then like the audience is probably like either I am so bored or yeah. just tell me what it <laughs> just is. Just tell me what it is. <laughs> no, I feel like honestly, I I was so surprised by the twist in this book that um, I feel like if someone like if I was suggesting a book to someone, if someone's looking for a thriller with a nice twist. I feel like this would be great. Thank you. That's very kind. Of course. Yeah. I did. It's, I had a, a, like a very good time reading it and it's not a, you know, super long book. So I feel like if someone's looking for a, a thriller like that a... isn't 8 million pages long, that like yeah. just feels like you're going nowhere. It's like the yes. right amount of pages where it's like, it feels rewarding. Yes. I actually wanted it to be even shorter. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted it to be like, so I think it ended up being like 75,000 words and mm-hmm. I wanted it to be around like under 60 or like closer to 50, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't figure out how to do that. So yeah. it ended up where it was and I'm fine with it. But yeah, I actually really like shorter ones because they feel more emotionally intense, you know, mm-hmm. like I, I kind of want to, I kind of I want my books to like punch a reader in the gut. Yeah, I mean, I was. I'm glad I finished this at home and not at work. I would have been like, hey, I have to leave the floor. I can't be at work this today. Is, this is this is a lot to process. Yeah, and I was yeah. I was reading it at work for like the per- first couple days that I was reading it. And I was like, okay, this is... Fa-. And then, um, you know, Leah, uh, you figure out like what happens with her. I was just like, okay, yeah, I shouldn't read this at work um, because I want to <laughs> keep reading. And I'm like, I have a hard time uh, reading and then especially thrillers, like putting it down and being like, okay, I'll come back to this in three hours. It's like, no, I want to come back to it right now. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah. Is there like, is there anything else about the book that you want to communicate to like viewers and, and readers too? I guess like maybe the sort of mental health rep. I think Mm -hmm. it's a pretty, heavy book both girls are struggling with depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. in different ways and it totally manifests differently there are definitely moments where chase has like panic attacks and they can be pretty you know like more visceral than than um expected and i think like a lot of that was kind of inspired by my own experience i based a lot of what chase went through on like a high school version of me Mm -hmm. and um and leah ends up spending time at literally the same psychiatric hospital that I also spent some time at Mm -hmm. um, in New York. And I just think that like, it's so much to be a young person these days and face all of the kind of message of that, like, you're not enough and that you'll never be enough or you're insignificant or, you know, like you're powerless. And, and so I think that it was, a huge goal of mine to capture that feeling of um, not being in control and just trying to find a way to feel in control and enough mm-hmm. and happy. And, you know, it's like a constant internal conversation I have with myself about, you know, being happy or being successful in the traditional sense of like the mm-hmm. outward stuff, the shiny stuff. Um, because it's like a struggle, right? Like mm-hmm. everyone wants to be recognized for like the amazing human beings that we all are. But yeah. of course, you know, like that doesn't always match up with everything that's happening in your life, maybe, or you know, things like that. And then of course, like with the ubiquity of social media now and the yeah. ABC influencers and you know, like everything is captured in like this is what the perfect life looks like. And if you're not living this perfect life, then you're, you're not living or yeah you're yeah. not living and um and so yeah so that's what was a huge inspiration behind the book and yeah I hope you'll check it out <laughs> yeah I feel like um I feel like a lot of what you just mentioned especially I think um 
the the topic of mental health i think in this book is i hate think uh handled with care um and i like that with the book itself too i think in the back here there's the um the different resources which i i like that when books any any kind of mention of like mental health that they do something like this um because i think it's it's very important yeah and it's because you know this especially for YA books too I think if it's mentioned and having the resources there someone could be drawn to a book because of something and you know if they see the resource they might actually like reach out to it especially if it's like in a book um it's not like right in the forefront of something um it might be more comfortable for them to do yeah Mm -hmm. um I think so and I'm you know kind of like wrote this book for like the person I was in high school and I hope it it mm-hmm. helps and it's relatable to other people who went through something similar like that. It can feel like such a dog eat dog world sometimes. And it just, it doesn't have to be. This is like 10 plus years of very good therapy that, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that I can kind of look back at that and be like, wow, that was so unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Super toxic. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, you know, like seeing like, reading a book like this and being like, okay, this, this character is experiencing this. And I don't necessarily want to get to the point where, because I don't want to talk about things, maybe I do need to talk to someone about it and it won't, you know, escalate. And I, I think mental health, especially for young girls is it's something that is very important to, you know, check in on and do self checks, especially with your friends too. Um, Because, you know, as it, it, it's mentioned in the book, you know, certain things happen and there aren't signs for like maybe the adults around people but you know if you're checking in on your friends and you're making sure that you know you are doing self-checks it's always good um and i feel like chase is a really good example of like something clearly is going on here um it's it's good that we get to a point where like uh the adults are checking in on the the kids especially after something traumatic happens but i like that the adults were present in this book and not just like not there at all no adult at all on the on the this yacht party i feel like that's always important it it feels strange sometimes when why books don't have like a single parent at all that's like present in any way shape or form i think that that sometimes books can be more fun without parents in it um yeah which is why i think i always try to give my parents like the parents in my book um very flawed characters you know like deeply human flaws that Mm. that just are like you've got some problems going on and in both of my books I have like the main characters realizing because I think like it's a huge part of young adulthood is realizing that your parents are human and they're Mm -hmm. probably messed up in some way and they probably haven't addressed it all the years they've been around and then you're like wait everything they say is not to be taken like as 100 percent possible because maybe they're dealing with something that they haven't you know it's not clear because you've only known them as your parent for your whole life no exactly i think um when you hit a certain point in your life and you're like wait a minute we all have some unlearning to do and then relearning yeah. of like how to treat ourselves and other people in general. Um, I yeah. think um, realizing my mother listens to this podcast, so she's I'm sure I'm going to get a call. But like when you shout re- out to Brendan's mother doing great. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I, I think um, at a certain point in your life, if you like you realize like, oh, wait, this person that I'm associating with is not a saint. Like that they, they yeah. can make mistakes, I think. It's important to realize that uh, because if you put someone up on a pedestal and they're just always there, it's not necessarily necessarily fair to that person either. Because then when they do make a mistake, it's like, (gasps) you know, it's also like when you put someone else on a pedestal, you kind of do that to yourself in the sense that like when you judge someone harshly, when you also make a mistake, you can end up kind of spiraling down a bad place of judging your yourself too harshly you know like yeah it's it's kind of like this a double-edged sword I think yeah. like when you do you make comparisons or judge mm-hmm. other people it's very difficult it's very easy to say and it's very difficult to 
oh absolutely (laughs) (laughs) my my roommate's always telling me that sophie i need to be nicer to myself and i'm like what are you talking about no well like um one of my favorite things that i learned in therapy was that guilt is a form of anger but it's Mm -hmm. a form of anger that's directed at yourself and it's often that way because you are the safest target yeah (laughs) so like um yeah so like that's like one of the you know, first, my favorite things that I've learned. Yeah. Cause just, it's really easy to be really mad at yourself instead of anything else. And that can be really terrible. <laughs> that was a uh, very eye opening. Um... <laughs> I'm glad I love that's like my favorite thing to tell people. Mm-hmm. There's some people I tell they're like, Oh yeah, I think I knew that. And then, uh, but like other people they're like, Oh, I've never thought of it that way. That was helpful. So I'm glad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I, I I think in general, especially like a good moral for Chase is like uh, to treat yourself with kindness because, you know, you you could be dealing with something that you don't necessarily know that you're dealing with. Um, and maybe, you know, I'm, you know, three months from that moment in time, you'll look back at it and be like, oh, like that was actually different. The thing that I was just witnessing, I'm rethinking about it. It's like it actually was different. And I, uh, you know, now that I have this information, I can treat things differently. But yeah, I I feel like this is a, a great uh, book about mental health. And I feel like the conversations that, you know, we're having about it, too, are important, which I, I didn't expect to come from a thriller book. I love when that <laughs> happens. Um, yay! <laughs> yeah. But um, I feel like I'm out of things that I could talk about that wouldn't just be like, here's the whole book. I know. Um, I know. But I it's out soon. You guys will have to just so check it out. Yeah, it's out <laughs> soon. By the time this uh, episode goes up, it'll actually be, I think, so it's the 15th, you said? The 14th. I think it's the 14th, yeah. It'll be less than a full month. That's super exciting. I hope you guys will check it out. I'm mm. thrilled that it's out. It takes me forever to write a book, so. <laughs> I, can, I, I don't know. Like, when people are like, oh, I just sat down and I wrote a million words in an hour. And I'm like, how did you do that? How did I know, your, your hands do the thing? That's not my reality. <laughs> well, I mean, I kind of want to keep encouraging you to write because I think it's oh, like thank you. very clear that you and Sophie have like a huge passion for young adult books. Um, It just and you know what, like the book that you lost, I mean, maybe that version, but, you know, maybe it'll come back to you in a different way. Mm-hmm. That's like how it often works for me. Sometimes like I'll work on something and I'm like, this is not. It, but there, there's still something from it that mm-hmm. comes back later. I'm like, oh, I really like that thing from that. So now I'm going to Frankenstein it into this other <laughs> yeah, thing. That's a really yeah. good point. Yeah, and I, I've, I've always wanted to do it. I think I just have to um, A, stop beating myself up and say like, oh, like I just have to write it. And, you know, as you do it, you can fix things if you need to. But um, I just am always my own worst critic. Ah. Uh... Sounds like a very familiar story. Yeah, it's always, it's, uh, laughs nervously. Um, it's always, uh, <laughs> a fun thing to talk about. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have, I don't think I have anything else for you, Sarah. Um, okay, sounds it, good. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, of course. Is there anything else you want to leave us with before you go? um no but therapy is always good (laughs) i guess you know i mean hey if that's if that's what you get out of this conversation this book there you go yes exactly there is a therapist in the book and she's also very good (laughs) yeah she's she sound sounded very nice anytime chase called her i was like wow that's that's a good therapist Yes, I think that that's kind of the key to therapy is to find the right one for you. Mm. Um, Because there are some who are really amazing, but maybe they're not right for you and that's okay. And so it's okay to go shopping around and to not think of therapy as like a thing that you go to where you spill out all your problems, but as like a one-on-one tutoring session on various aspects of like life that aren't covered in school, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. That makes Um, sense. Yeah. So if you can find a good one-on-one tutor who will just kind of walk you through how to handle like a interpersonal conflict or, you know, like Mm. guilty feelings and things like that. So yeah, that's how I see it. I love that. Thank you for sharing that with me. (laughs) Yay. Yeah. All right. So 
we have been talking about I Will Find You Again by Sarah Liu. And um, you've been listening to the Super Lit Podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Cue the outro music.